When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. No premium, North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. And welcome back, rugby fans. It's that time again to spend an hour or so with us here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. My name is Ty, the Sapper Braga, joined by uh, my team, of course. You know, Scott, the big guy, Ferrara, the Rob, the Hammer, Hammerschmidt. And more importantly, for the second time around, is Wags, also known, of course, as Matthew Wagner, now of the Chicago Hounds, which we'll be diving into in a moment through the course of the show. But first up, Wags, welcome back. Thanks, Ty. It's great to be back with you guys. I know uh, there's a lot of exciting things going on in the American rugby world, so I'm looking forward to diving in. Exactly the reason you're here. Forget, man. I I still need to get you one of these bad boys. You do. I owe you one. (laughs) I forgot, Rob. Hey, we could do a hat (laughs) exchange. Get me a a cap hat, and I'll I'll give you a bright, shiny rugby ran hat. We can sort something. I like how (laughs) Rob expertly turned around a freebie to get something for himself too. Like you know what? Let's turn that to it. That's my superpower, baby. That's my superpower. <laughs> and that, of course, is one of the reasons fans are here, is for the banter, for the debate. And here on the Rugby Rant, we do that week after week, here on episode 161. But as per usual, we're going to give you some really great rugby information from here and abroad and everywhere in between as we dive into Around the Pitch to be able to share what we think you should learn about from the rugby world. Be back in a moment. What's going on, Rugby Rant fans? It's the Hammer, and I've got some fantastic news. This year, once again, Rugby Now, Power Shop MLR, has returned to support our Super Brew contest. That's right. They're back. You get the benefit, all the rewards of participating in our Super Brew contest. Just like last year, Every single week, the weekly winner can win a $25 gift card to use at either Rugby Now or Shop MLR to buy your favorite gear that we know you love and want. And of course, even if you miss a week or two or heck the whole season, um, that's okay. You can still win individual weeks, but we have a bonus. And just like last year, those folks that hang in that are participating every week, are throwing their hand uh, up, putting their name in the hat for the opportunity to win some great gift cards at the end of the season. That's right. Top honors 
get a $150 gift card. The runner-up gets a $100 gift card and third place gets a $50 gift card. The only thing we ask is that the winner is the one that uses and applies the gift card to their purchase. So come again, back to the rugby rant, the Super Brew Contest. Take advantage of Rugby Now, who powers Shop MLR, and their support of the Rugby Rant Podcast. And stack yourself up against me, the big guy, the Safa, or even the Rugby Now crew, because they're in the contest to see if they can best you in this year's 2024 Major League Rugby Super Brew Contest. Win yourself some great prizes and have a lot of fun in the process. Enjoy it. All right, rugby fans, again, this is Around the Pitch. You know how it goes. We're going to go quick fire around the table to share what we think you should learn about when it comes to rugby and everything in between. Taking us off is a bit of a tradition is to hand it over to Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. Start us off, then on to our guest, Otis Scott, then I finish out this round. So, Rob, take us away. Thanks, Ty. I appreciate it. I've got a really good one. As folks who are consistently watching episode to episode, now they're at 161, they know that I like to talk about youth rugby. Uh, This is the lifeblood of rugby, uh, especially as we build the 2027 and 2031 and 33. The Memphis Inner City Youth um, Organization got a $1.1 million grant from Shelby County to build a new field. Now, this was on a blighted field of the Vance Middle School field. The middle school, I believe, has been torn down now. And pretty much it's, you know, it's in a terrible, it's in a tough neighborhood, but it's they're going to be able to provide a home for these young athletes, these young rugby players. And the organization through the guidance of the executive director, Shane Young, they have had over 3,000 athletes that they've served in this uh, Memphis Center City Youth Rugby Program, 70 of whom are playing or have played rugby in college rugby programs. This is a model success story to bringing in new converts to our game, and I love to see it. Um, And again, they're finally getting a home. This is wonderful news. Um, and uh, what's interesting is the funds come through the American Rescue Funds Act, and it's going to go towards building bathrooms, benches, and two fields. Thrilled for these boys, thrilled for the work that they've done. Uh, kudos to them, and it's and it's great to see youth being served in such a positive way. Absolutely. There is nothing but good in that story. Um, and, of course, they're doing wonderful work. And it was also seen um, when they helped, in a way, uh, PR7s launched their first live event at AutoZone Park in Memphis, which, which by the way, kind of ties me into the next person we hand this over to. Uh, Matthew, we uh, we introduced you as the Chicago Hounds, but uh, we don't want to sell you short, my friend. You've also got experience at the PR7s. Uh, you're also long-standing history in Chicago rugby uh, with the Lions as a director role there. So, you know, rugby is what you do, live, eat, and breathe. Um, but we got you here not only as a part of the Hounds, in particular, your new role that you've adopted as the team manager and coach facilitator. Um, but I digress because you've got all this experience. I'm just going to hand the microphone over to you and tell us what do you think fans should know about. 
Uh, yeah, thank you, Ty. Well, um, th- there's just a lot of exciting things going on in, in American rugby right now. Obviously, um, you know, Hammer touched on the PR7s tie with Memphis. Uh, things are starting to, to to roll there in terms of, you know, form, forming our plans for the drafts. We've had a few calls with the league as coaches. So um, it's exciting to start to, to look at what the dates are going to be and get that ball rolling there. Um, MLR preseason is in week two all around the country. So there's a there's 12 teams with with big groups of dudes who are working really hard um, to get ready for competition. And we start playing in for like one month. So um, rugby is rugby is imminent uh, in terms of the MLR season returning in 2024. I know um, Pacific Four Series dates just got announced for the USA Women's Eagles. Um, obviously, the men's Eagles uh, last campaign was successful and everybody, I think, is really excited to continue to watch Scott Lawrence take that team in an upward trajectory. Um, so there's definitely no shortage of uh, exciting rugby news kicking off around the country right now. Absolutely. And fans are super excited. You know, it's always interesting to be able to see uh, all the fans reemerge, get that excitement, that anticipation as we go into the preseason. You know, all the announcements are out. They're starting to see the teams assembled. You know, we're getting close to kickoff. So it's an exciting time. And 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 on that note, you actually, and let's just send a little bit of a teaser to the fans who can see. Hold up that rugby ball you showed me just a moment ago, lads. Uh, because this is going to be a part of the topic, the main topic of debate here today, talking about the innovation around Gilbert, its technology inclusion alongside uh, the MLR. And uh, you've had your hands on that for, for I bet, a while, but more importantly, the team has had it on their hands uh, for the last two weeks in preseason. So we're going to hear some of that from you in a moment, but not before we hear Boy, that big time, guy. Time out, real quick, if guys, if we had Hold on. If we had any kind of budget, first of all, my microphone yeah. turned on automatically, and we would be able to hire Wags. I mean, what a great segment he put forth, man! Just dropping some freaking knowledge on everybody of what's going on in the rugby world in the United States. So, thank you for that, brother. I just wanted yeah, to throw that shout out and let you know if you yeah. know the hounds. It's like he knows out. something uh, about rugby. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done this before, Wags? Uh, <laughs> just a pure natural right that's why you're back for the second time obviously the first time around you cracked the interview <laughs> <laughs> so uh let's hand it back over to scott ferrara what do you got to share my friend i was gonna start with my around the pitch but now i have an idea for social media i'm gonna do after this episode comes out it's gonna be a meme of wags holding the ball it's just gonna say Wags has smart balls in his hand. <laughs> pass that Pretty around. Uh, yeah, pass that around. Hashtag uh, smart cattle club. You know, but uh, what, I, what I'm here to talk about, um, I'm actually here to talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, wheelchair rugby. Um, we have the Olympics in Paris and the Paralympics the two weeks after the Olympics. And that means wheelchair rugby at the Paralympics USA is qualified already. And we actually have a player looking to make history. Uh, in the name of Sarah Adams, she's looking to be the first woman to be named to the USA Rugby Wheelchair Paralympic roster ever. Um, she's been um, leading the team uh, in minutes right now, and and the team's really killing it in their their lead up into uh, well, we over to Paris. Um, as you guys know, my buddy Nikki Springer was a was a wheelchair rugby player for the Olympic team and won uh, quite a few medals actually, and actually won medals in uh, sled hockey as well. Um, so that team is near and dear to my heart. And as you know, we do everything uh, North American rugby here. And Wags actually brought up another one, that Pacific 7 Series uh, Team USA gets a match in the United States against Canada. They have not released the details yet, but they're coming soon. 
Excellent. You know, one thing I've always enjoyed about you, Scott, is that you're an advocate of not just rugby, but all forms of it. Um, so you're I don't know about me. That's just more of like a Dustin Zur type deal. <laughs> Dustin Zur or Dustin Smith? I can't remember which yeah, guy. Still, that, that, that name will stick with They're him They're never forever. in the same place twice, which I still can't figure out. Yeah, it's a conspiracy, I tell you. <laughs> so that always seems to be a nearby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, well, gentlemen, let me take the opportunity to be able to share something with the fans as well as I stay close to the American Raptors. As you know, uh, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of the announcing there for quite a while. And it's been a tremendous honor to be able to see the different versions of rugby that they play. But more recently, it's, of course, Super Rugby Americas is the end of the second season. They, too, of course, working hard on the pitch, assembled their team and, of course, getting underway as the mission at hand to be able to better their performances from the year before, which left them with only two wins out of their entire season, although one of those came as, uh, against pretty stiff competition, so they'll be looking to improve upon those results. Uh, however, what we have found is a last-minute change in the coaching setup as head coach heads out back to his homeland, that's Lafreda, uh, to be able to leave the, uh, the Raptors due to personal reasons is what they said. Um, and incoming is a, a contingent of two coaches, both Canadian in origin. One is Butcher, um, and the other, i got to remind myself here, is the uh, attack coach as well, uh, Corey Hector. So what's really interesting about these two is they've been coaching together for quite a while. Um, through the Canadian program, uh, all the way up to national levels and different coaching positions. Um, Butcher at the helm is head coach. Really interesting that his consistency comes through uh, years of working uh, at a university level um, and winning two national championships as well um, to the north of us in Canada. So we hope to be able to see them bring in a, a really great impact really fast. Another interesting component to this is not only is it the head coach change, but it's the addition of a specialized attacking coach. Um, so it's adding to to the team in, in in several different ways. Maybe some 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 difficulty changing coaches could come their way so close to the beginning of the start, as you can imagine, or learning one way. Um, one set of uh, tactics, one set of strategy, and now they might have to pivot as a team. The players might find it hard to adjust in the early part of the season, but they've got a great squad that they've assembled, and we'll stay close to the action to see where it may take us in Super Rugby Americas here. Of course, as we follow all American rugby in North America here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. So, gentlemen, that is Around the Pitch. And before we head up, I want to be able to remind fans to stick around because we're going to be talking about that special gilded ball being introduced to Major League Rugby in 2024. What can it do? How can it help? We'll find out when we're back. When we pick up the ball, we also pick up a legacy. A legacy that stretches beyond your current team. A legacy built on the backs of those who came before you with hard work. And for those who will come after you, we promise it won't be easy. But we'll be there, supporting you on and off the field. All right. 
right, rugby fans, we're back, and it's time to talk about that new innovation with Gilby, Gilbert, Gilby? What the, what the hell's the Gilby? Uh, <laughs> the Gilbert Rugby Ball being introduced to be able to uh, create an innovative opportunity, be able to track gameplay time, all these wonderful things, but I'm not going to be able to talk about that in depth right now, because my role is to be able to help give these guys on screen the chance to be able to do so as I direct the conversation for you as the rugby fans here on the Rugby Red. And we're going to kick it off as we like to be able to do with the guest having the first crack at the debate here. And who better than Wags himself, who's had his hands on the ball himself to be able to test it alongside the Chicago Hounds. So really, as I set you up here, Wags, uh, it's open field. You run with it any direction you like, but at its core, we want to know why is this so good? What is interesting about it? How is it going to help teams like you and others across the league become even better than they were last season as we look forward into the 2024 season ahead? The floor is yours, my friend. Thank you, Ty. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody is obviously uh, excited and talking about the, the this rugby ball. Um, and I think probably a lot of the, if not all the viewers uh, tuning in know, I mean, Gilbert's the gold standard of, of rugby balls in the world. And so um, that kind of just like quality and consistency that you find with, you know, the standard in rugby ball in any competition, uh, any elite level competition that you're going to find is is what we've got here. So I know like there's when we first heard about this, you know, people are always like, hey, how's, how's this going to be different? What can potentially go wrong? And and I don't want to let anybody down, but it's uh, it's just a, a normal, really good rugby ball. I mean, the boys were all really excited um, when they were pulled out. Oh, it's as advertised. <laughs> it's, it's as advertised. You're getting the Gilbert rugby ball. I mean, the grip's good, shape's good, feels good. I mean, the, the weight, uh, everything is what you would want it to be. Um, all the guys are very, very happy with them um, that we're using Gilbert balls now. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, just – Little things like that that the league does to incrementally raise the standards year to year, I think, are really important um, just to, you know, make sure that we're offering the best product and like actually, you know, following through with the steps that enable us to do so. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 GPS, the technology aspect of it's really cool. Uh, we, you know, I, I think I've showed it earlier. The only thing different about it is this blue dot here uh, where the chip goes mm-hmm. and it's right next to uh, the hole for the needle. Can we get a close-up on that, Wex? Yes, we can. Here we go. Just a little rubber, a little rubber cap. How crazy is that, right? Yeah, stuck in there. Um, it doesn't feel any different. I mean, everybody, like in terms of like ball trajectory, flight path, spin, um, kicks that are going through the air, nothing at all um, seems any different than a standard rugby ball. Nobody's come back with any feedback about mm-hmm. a different feel in the hand. So. Um, that's great. I think, and the, I think it's brilliant that you highlighted that because that's some of the you know skepticism that somebody might have whenever you try to be able to change something. You know, there's inevitably some pushback, some skepticism, uh, but you nailed it because you're hearing this feedback on the field from players and you're seeing it in action. So brilliant to be able to hear that it looks and feels just like any other ball that you've used in the past. Yeah, I mean, with, without a doubt. I, and, you know, we've got a, a wide array of, of rugby experiences and backgrounds on our team. And we've got some guys who have, you know, played at the highest level and everybody's just very pleased with the ball. So um, it's it's great. I think, you know, e- even myself, when I heard about this, I thought, you know, how is this going to be different? You know, you're, you're talking about having a chip in a ball. Is the weight going to be off? But 
Um, it's been really good. I'm excited to see how we use the data. Like we, like I'm, I'm sure all the other teams in the league rely heavily on, on both real time data and, you know, data at the end of the day to inform decisions for the next day um, or after a game. And so um, kind of starting to, to, to get into those details with the information we can get off the GPS, I think is, is really interesting. I think it'll provide a lot of, of interesting points for, uh, for, for viewers, for games. If, you know, we can talk about rotations per second um, or how those affect. Yeah, those rugby nerds out there, those geeks yeah. love all that detail. Uh, Robin, I'm including you there. Um, <laughs> we love that kind of detail, right? I'm I'm the same way. I think um, that'll be really cool. I'm I'm a huge numbers guy, but I know a lot of the apprehension is around how the the officiating team will use information like this. So um, that's something you know we haven't had a full on debrief uh, from the league about. I I imagine that's a topic that we'll be um, they'll be touching on with our organization and the rest of the organizations pretty soon. Um, But yeah, definitely interested to see how that goes. I know a lot of uh, the comments I saw. Um, earlier today on social media after the press release came out, a lot of people are in the same boat there. So we'll certainly see how it goes. But um, Well, it sounds like the reception has been pretty welcoming so far from what you've at least seen and what you've experienced personally. Interesting point to be able to talk about, you know, it's still kind of evolving right now is real world applications haven't seen it happen yet. Um, and what I'm referring to is officiating, right? It's an additional component to this that we need to be able to consider and see how it plays out. Yeah, uh, um, I, I think that's a really, really good opener. We're going to hand it over to uh, to Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt to be able to add even further thoughts to this. Yeah, so um, it, it's interesting. And, and it was great to have Wags on the show because he's giving you a player perspective, a, a coach perspective, sure. and how a team might be using the data and, um, you know, how the ball feels, how it, you know, its flight trajectory, its, its spin rate, et cetera. What I'm going to give you is some insight into what's going on the on the production piece, and this is what I believe we'll immediately see on a fan perspective. I don't know that the referee element is on the immediate horizon. I think I share Wag's view, and that there's some concerns in that regard, which you can get into later. But I will tell mm-hmm. you, in my pre-production meetings, just in you know um, meeting with the MLR production group and some of the the uh, production uh, teams that are working, there is plans to use this data. I think immediately, it first of all, people need to understand it's the data is only going to be available, uh, particularly for the production crew, in the 25 Fox Sports games that are going to be produced. Okay, so you're not going to get this on our typical MLR, you know, uh, games that are on TRN. TRN. Uh, the 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 um, Teams will not be able to, you know, the production teams and the um, and, uh, announcers will not be able to use the data. It won't be available to them because of some of the limitations on the on the technology from production. And that being said, they're they're working with, uh, you know, some of the other groups that they work with to produce, you know, the imagery and things like that. They're going to bring some of the data in those 25 matches to the fans. So things like ball speed, distance traveled, kick distance. Uh, territory gains, hang time, you know, line out throws, spin rates, um, you know, average. Uh, one of the things I think you're going to see commentators talk a lot about is the number of passes that are zero to five meters, five to 10 meters and 10 meters or more. And, you know, comparing teams average in each of those areas o- overall 
you know, where do most of their, you know, passes um, sit, you know, in which area mm -hmm. uh, you might see them talk about spin, right? You're going to see them talk about distance and hang time on kicks because of 1522s. I mean, that was part of the conversation we had was talking about the value in that regard. So I think that's where you're going to see immediate um, feedback where the potential is for the fans is some of that data being live. And I think that from a production and the thing I, I hope that the MLR keeps in mind is that we've got to reach that fine balance between finding nauses, that information that wags and myself. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think what William Cully is the big data guy from Canada. They, right. we like that stuff, right? We want to see it, but you know, your, your new fan or your average fan, that stuff doesn't right. mean a whole lot to it's them. Different right? language to them. It's a different if, language. If so, it, yeah. You know, having it, a companion app would be the ideal, right? So for people mm -hmm. that want it, they know where to get it. They know where to look at it. They know what it means. They know how to use it. Um, but yeah. for those that, that don't find a lot of value in it, at least in the immediacy, you know, they it's not in front of them, confusing the game for them. And the mm -hmm. announcement commentators can kind of use the little bits of detail just to fill people in. Um, right. and help educate them. Rob, I want to jump in there. That's a phenomenal point to be able to bring up because as you were explaining the data that you could actually gather through this, I was thinking to myself, how are you going to communicate this? And at what level do you have to understand the game to recognize its value? So if you come to me, I'm brand new. What is the importance of understanding how many passes are made under five meters or, or whatever it may be, right? So you almost need to be able to help somebody digest this information uh, for lack of a better way to describe it, you know, uh, dumb it down a little, right? Um, or give them a tool that helps them find that for those who want it. Um, because that, that's the other half of the challenge. Okay, now you can gather all this data. How do you use it? And the third component, how do you share it? Something so, to keep and, in mind. Sorry, to, but something to keep in mind is we use the, the league uses Moby. I mean, Wags, you know yes. this, you and DJ probably work with it, right? The Moby app and uh, that data, but um, it uses a little different um, software and they're, they're integrating it. But I think it's going to take a while for that to kind of right. become a smooth process that is usable mm -hmm. as an interface. You know, again, I, I'd like to emphasize for fans, please be patient with this technology. Don't expect too much right away let the mlr figure out an effective way to bring this to fans i think experienced mlr fans have come accustomed to that <laughs> you know and it's, it's a bit by bit but yes some are quick to criticize but the bigger picture has to be there in mind right you know we have a tendency as rugby fans to be able to say ah oh, you should have this and why don't we have that and professional sports do this and then when we give them a version of that they're immediately not happy because it doesn't meet their expectation. So tempering expectations is an important point. Rob, solid there. You know, it's not only about the data, it's about the execution, it's about the use of it. There's a lot of things to take into consideration and we expect it to be a teething period. We expect it to not be perfect right from the get-go. Nothing is, rarely do we have to have it right the first time. Scott, the floor is now yours. I can see you're ready to jump in, my friend. Uh, yeah, so you know, regarding the press release and, and all the data that they they talk about, um, you know, I think the smart ball is going to be good, and and as we're going to see, as Rob talked about, it's kind of going to drip out on those <clears throat> those prime time broadcasts that we're going to watch, and it's not going to be connected with any of the broadcasts uh, on the rugby network yet. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that fans might have not understood either. You know, rugby pass is no longer powering the rugby network. 
um, in November, the uh, NLR started a new partnership with Globit, which is a Argentine-based company. Um, it, it's based its headquarters out of Luxembourg, but it was created in Argentina and 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 um, operates in in about a dozen countries. Um, and it's taken over the administration and revamped the rugby network. So I wonder how they're going to be able to eventually take that technology from the smart ball to put it on um, the rugby network production because um, because ultimately. I don't think this is going away. I think this is just a capability mm-hmm. that's going to increase as far as we you know, eventually doing things like, did it make it over the try line for a TMO review? Um, you know, did it make it out of bounds on a, on a, and read the lines to say, you know, to buds off the referee. Hey, that was a 50, 22, you know, things like that. Things that we know sometimes in the heat of, of, of the battle that the, the AR is trying to run and did it bounce this way? Did it bounce that way? Um, I know that um, it says, I believe it said it's going to review the ball as it's thrown in a line out. And again, my my wonder is eventually as this stuff starts to roll out, are we going to have more and more um, robotic data to say that throw wasn't straight, you know, versus well, what the referee is? Life on a Ford and you have AI refereeing. <laughs> Which I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing because at least if I'm cursing at the AI, you know, it's still. Welcome to another round of boardroom or Miro board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile Coach Maria. Let's go. First question: You spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's boardroom or Miro board. Boardroom in Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously online at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast. So you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mm-hmm. It's still fun. There's still somebody to curse at. But my point being, um, you know, I think it's going to show you a lot of analytics. Um, it's going to give you a right. lot of real-time data. And it's going to increase uh, the production value of the broadcast up to a standard in which we see when we see things like if you guys ever watched the Manning cast on Monday Night Football, you know, Eli Manning and Peyton Manning have these digital tables that they do 3D 
projections of showing you it's it's essentially what John Madden used to do with the with circling the television and showing you the replays, but it's a 3D 3D digital table, mm-hmm. almost like a chess set that they're using, you know, and, and they're the NFL continues awesome. to push the bounds of, of all the stuff. But funny enough, you just the, NFL, the education factor for the average fan too. Absolutely. You know, but funny enough. And, you know, if you want to, if you want to use cricket as an example, you know, there's, there's already things in the ball in cricket, you know, there's, 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 yes, uh, and that's been for a number of years, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 you know, there's sensors saying when a, when a bowler passed the line and things like that. Right. Mm-hmm. NFL, they still, they, you know, you want to talk about things being cheeky, you know, each team still uses their own ball. Each team has a specific ball they use for an onside kick because it's scuffed a certain way. You know, the kickers use a certain ball to kick shorter field goals versus longer field goals. Cause again, they've, they've rubbed it a certain way with fucking like, you know, Mississippi mud and on the concrete and all that shit, you know? So I, I find it funny that the NFL is progressing in all these ways, but I don't think they'll ever change the way that they do the ball. I think it's one of those mm-hmm. things. It's almost like they're dark arts. You know, what goes on with those balls and, you know, the controversy with Tom Brady in the last 10 years on Deflategate stuff. And it's just an interesting right. cheeky part that while they're adding all this stuff to, to the games, right, into professional sports, what are they going to do to kind of keep its charm a little bit? Rob, it looks like you're going to say something. Well, I, you know, what's interesting is actually one of my very close friends um, works for a company, he's a CFO for a company here in Chicago, and they actually tan the hides for the Wilson footballs as well as the Wilson basketballs, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, there's a there's a quality control process there that they do go through, but they haven't really adopted the technology that you would expect from the NFL. It, it's funny because as as a, you know, as every, all the fans know, I coach youth football, and one of the things I would do on the first practice was I would take a ball. And I would literally just grind it against the cement and get it and wet it and then grind it against the cement and wet it, grind it against the cement and wet it. The reason being is I want to take any type of friction off that ball. So when we kick an onside kick that things squirrely and hard to catch and hopefully it'll bounce back. Right. Um, So again, um, I, you know, not something they do in rugby, but I just thought it's interesting because we're always trying to strive to do these things that the bigger sports uh, uh, organizations Mm -hmm. are doing. Uh, So I find that interesting, but back to the ball itself. Um, as Wags showed you, it's very low profile on what we're ad- actually adding to the ball. Um, you know, the other question becomes eventually, when is somebody going to say the other team hacked my ball? And they did something. Listen, I'm just has a server and has you know like, uh, all this capability. So it's, yeah, it's I mean, you talk about again. You want to talk about things like. Um, you know, Jim Harbaugh was in the in the the news for for you know cheating scandals. Jim Harbaugh is one of the only coaches who still uses a hard wire communication system because he believes if he uses the wireless one that the other the opposing team could tap into it and and figure out what he's saying to his to his guys. Um, you but know, so technology. It, I believe anything is possible. You yeah, just it's, don't it's know how to do it exactly. So I think you know eventually. I'm not saying it's going to happen in this league, but I'm just mm-hmm. waiting for something to happen where. Um, somebody said something squirrely happened and they lost by, you know, two points because somebody touched the ball and some, they made it bounce a certain way. And you're just, just, we got to be wary of technology sometimes. I mean, I do think what we're using it for right now, analytics wise is the way to go, but I can watch using it for anything else. Cause again, um, you know, we've had referees on, right. And, and Marquise Goodwin, a good friend of the show says, you know, a lot of fans while watching on television will say, oh, that ball is, is, is a forward pass you know in his view on the field next to it <clears throat> with an actual parallel view it's not right so when do we mm-hmm. get into 
making you know, the, the ball. That, that, uh, no, sorry, Rob, I could see you wanted to jump in there. So let me hand it to you. Can I ask Wags? I mean, you're a coach. You, you deal with players. You are on the field. You have to make decisions in real time about how you want to adjust a game plan. Um, what sort of, you know, where does it for you as a coach, where would the use of that technology stop insofar as officiating? Like, do you want to see forward passes called based, you know, on? I've got to follow up after Wags answers this one because this is the direction I wanted to take the conversation, actually. Yeah. Line out throws, you know. Hey, here's one. How about the kick? I know in America we don't have those really tall uh, posts like they do in, mm-hmm. in, in more profound rugby playing nations. You know, do we want to make sure that, you know, that ball is tracked and, and that it's gone inside the post if it goes high enough to go over the post? You know, where does it stop and start for you, Wags? Yeah, I think I think I think my my answer to the question is is in two parts. The first is it's it's always easy and, and Ty nodded to this earlier when when something new comes out to start kind of kind of panicking a little bit about you know how it's going to change things. The way that this information is applied, and in my opinion, I think we should just start small, and it can be really simple. Like one of the things that I really enjoy about watching a baseball game, like being someone who's really into like sports data, is the simple number after every pitch that's thrown is how how fast a ball is thrown like i love right. the year the cubs won the world series i love watching aroldis chapman run out to the mound and seeing how many times he threw that fastball over 100 miles an hour like it's simple information it's it's not in any way controversial and it gets fans engaged and it gives like a little bit mm-hmm. of a piece to enhance the viewing experience and i think i think it would do everybody well for us to like start small and not just jump to we're gonna we're gonna default to the ball data on any sort of referee. Right. So, so like for example, you know, distance like, of kicks and things like that is a simple yeah. piece of data you could say this traveled, you know, forty two meters or whatever. Right. Right. I think like a like a pass count, you know, when a, a when a oh, side has answer. possession, you know, tallying a pass count well, you know, for the duration of that possession. Yeah. I mean I, I would love to see, you know, when we're when you know, Luke Cardi's accident or Nick McCarthy sending a box kick up. I love to know ball speed off the foot, just things like that, that, that I find interesting. Um, if we're going to start to bring it into adjudicating decisions on the field, I similarly think we can go like small and, and small steps and non-controversial steps. Did the ball, did the ball cross inside of the post? If it traveled over the top of the post, mm-hmm. you know, was, was the ball kicked from inside the halfway line in a, in a call that was, was not made a 50-22, things like that. I think when we start yes. to talk about forward passes and when we start to talk about line-out throws, um, that's where we get into more of a gray area, especially with passes being backward out of the hand, which is, you know, not a problem, but sometimes take, take more of a drift and conditions depending yeah. as well. So Pivotal moments that can change the game. Totally, totally. So those waters are a little more murky, I think. I, I right. think if we go small steps, we'll be in good shape. And and you're touching on exactly where I wanted to take this conversation. So let's go one step deeper. Uh, Scott, you have brought up the idea of officiating and talking about where it could be used. Rob, you helped drill that down even farther. Wags, you added context to where you could see it could be used. And Rob, earlier you had mentioned one of the stats that you found important and we all do, but you brought it up was how much game time, sorry, how much ball in play or ball in play is it right for a minute. So one of the criticisms is, is that we don't have enough actual real game time because it's being taken up by moments of officiating and reviews and debates on field. 
are we at risk by adopting this technology and not honing in on a few key areas, as you pointed out, WAGS, and I'll direct this back to you, um, are we at risk of now lengthening those procedures and possibly in the pursuit of trying to use this new technology, take us farther away from our goal of keeping the ball in play longer? Uh, I, I think the short answer is yes. I mean, we've seen, uh, you know, over the last the, the last couple of years, just in, in not just the MLR world rugby, but times when the TMO has become over-involved and, and sort of made a process longer than it seemed like it needed to be. Um, I think that, you know, incorporating too much information too early is, is almost mm-hmm. always going to be problematic. Um, well, it could and, be overwhelming for, for officials totally. to be able to, you know, the, the pressure to use this new technology will be there. Totally. Um, so they're going to try and balance it, which is a tough job. And I'll put my hand up first and every single day being a rep is one of the toughest things to do. And I am not made for it. Um, you know, and, and full respect to them. And we've had great conversations with MLR coaches, international, all of them feel the same thing, that it's a, it's a tough job, right? It's a really tough job. But they're in that position where they're, they're putting themselves in that spot to, to take that criticism. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. We're going to feel pressure to use this technology. Time will tell how we use it. But we hope to be able to see some s- simple things where they say, hey, this is the situation where you use it. Try scoring opportunities, yes or no, that's where you use it. Uh, conversions, yes or no, that's when you use it. And things like that. Otherwise, it can get a little out of control pretty quickly as we try to be able to explore this new toy, right? Yeah, it can definitely get cumbersome. I mean, if you think like, you know, I know the, the Australian Open just wrapped up for tennis. And when they go to a tennis review, it's just sort of like a very simple but animated video what did the ball hit the line or go off the line? If we can have some sort of parallel to make the process less cumbersome, then, you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would be, would be more open to that conversation. I mean, I, th- I think what we need to do too is, I mean, and this is coming from a fan of this league now since, you know, it's inception. While we have like a, if you go to, if you go to major league uh, dot rugby and you go to player stats, they give you, you know, the top five and carries the top five and tackles made. But there's no real consistency for a fan to go see a breakdown of stats like there is in the NFL, right? So NFL, you know, has is is you know CBS Sports is updating real time tackles as it's happening on the defensive, um, you know, front, and we can barely get those stats at the end of a match at the end of a week, um, for for whatever reason, and it's whether it's a lack of personnel there to make the you know, statisticians to 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 do it or somebody to review it, to make those stats. Um, are we moving a little too far forward with giving people real time stats, when we don't have the basics down is, is my question coming from a that's fan a fair point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's an interesting point you bring up there, Scott, because it's a walk before you run concept, right? And we don't really get the first steps, right? How are we adding additional layers of this complex to it already? Could well, be a challenge. And I think I think the MLR is thinking about that already, at least, again, going back to the production meetings that I have. And I don't want to give away too much. Um, but in some of the things that I saw of, of where it's being used, and I'm specifically talking about, you know, um, in, in the UK and, and in Ireland and their competition, um, it's allowing their analysts to get a breakdown that's more like a newspaper, you know, headlines. So mm-hmm. it, it, it provides the data 
as applies to a previous game. And now you don't have to wait for a human to tabulate that data and, you know, spit it out at the back end. You're getting it in real time. So now you're just looking for somebody to take the data, make sense of it, and then um, turn it over to your analysts who then can look at it during the week in preparation for a game and start to look at teams and comparatively, you know, head to head, what are we seeing from the last outing of these, these two teams? Uh, what can we draw from this data and what is that, how does that help us, you know, think about the game that's in hand before us and present that information to fans. And we're talking about, you know, let's face it, we're talking about a guy like Mike Petrie, whose pedigree is, is well-known around rugby circles in the United States. We trust him to be able to take that information and interpret it, not only in a way that's usable and digestible for the average fan, but also in a way that's, uh, that's effective um, to use as a commentator um, for for people, you know, like you and I to digest and consume and appreciate. So, you know, I think there's a little bit of um, quality control that can be done just at the production level because we're we're entrusting some pretty quality people. Wendy Young, I'd throw in that in that um, mix too. You know, at the at the production level, I wonder. You know, it, it's I believe so. MLR. Uh, who else? Six Nations, the Autumn Internationals, uh, the Under Twenty Championships, and other Test mass- matches in Australia. Excuse me. Um, you know, is the MLR going to be smart enough to say, "Hey, um, Globit, look at the production and look at what the Six Nations is using this data for, and how they're using mm-hmm. this data, and how they're quote unquote what they call in the business the Fox Box is looking like for that, right? For those of you who don't know, in the United States, the first people to put the score and, and all that data was Fox in 94 for the NFL season. And they actually got that from the BBC when they were doing premiership uh, Premiership football uh, in 91, 92. They started it uh, in, in the UK. Um, you know, to what are they doing and how are they using it, right? Because we know that the production for the Six Nations is, is perfect, right? It's always a mm-hmm. – it's 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 – the commentators are great. The production yeah. rarely has any hiccups. So if they're the gold standard, I wonder if the MLR is going to say, look at them and what are they doing? How are they doing it? Right. Absolutely. And what capability do we have to, to match that? And sure. I, I mean, working. Mm-hmm. So another component I wanted to be able to chat about here, gentlemen, before we get ready to be able to head out. And before we do so, uh, reminder for WAGs, we're going to give you a little window as we do uh, each show with any new, um, or with any guests, I should say, is to give you a chance to be able to send a shout out to any special cause or charity. Um, and it's important for fans to be able to know where they can learn about all those good stuff. And as a reminder for those tuning into us already, thank you for being with us and sticking around this long. But if you wanted to get even more content or learn more about what we're talking about here and more about rugby in general, don't forget to be able to follow us online under the handle at Rugby Red Pod and all of our social media where we continue to be able to share more of rugby across North America. Because that's what we aim to do is grow rugby one fan at a time. And we do that with your help and with the help of our partners as well. So don't forget to be able to check out what they do. That does include Rugby Now and Shop MLR. So the last component I wanted to be able to bring up, and this was brought on, uh, online from fans, um, Again, there's a large amount of criticism, skepticism, whichever way you wanted to be able to present it. Um, one of the thoughts is cost implication. And Wags, perhaps you can give us a little bit more insight here. And what do we mean about that? We touched on it at certain points. Well, if you're going to collect data, first of all, there's a device. 
Now we understand there's a cost to that. There's software that needs to be able to process it. There's a cost to that. There's servers. There's data uh, capturing. There's somebody that needs to read it. There's multiple layers to this. Does this also potentially become a cost um, burden to many of the sides? Or do we see ourselves potentially this being driven by the MLR because it's their partnership? And, of course, that partnership also deserves a highlight with Gilbert for the first time and Sportable being the data analytics partner. Uh, it's a wonderful partnership that we hope does continue to be able to bloom. So some of the things people have brought in is cost implications for teams that are already in what's still considered a young league and some very new teams coming in. How is this being managed? Do you have any insight you want to share? Um, you know, I, I think I think what I would offer there is I'm sure there's not one team across the competition who's disappointed to have Gilbert rugby balls at their training sessions and in their games. And being that this is a relatively new piece of technology that Gilbert's rolled out, I think, one, um, just by the fact that Gilbert endorses it, legitimizes it to some extent. Um, and two, uh, two, it's it's not proven yet. So um, I think that Probably, you know, I don't want to go down too much of a tinfoil hat road, but I'm sure there was some sort of conversation between Gilbert and the MLR about, hey, we've got this new piece of technology. We want to show it off. You know, here's how we would like to make this work for you. Um, You know, I I think that in terms of extra resources needed to interpret the data and to present it in a a professional way, um, you know, I think a lot of that burden probably sits on the shoulders of the league. And I think, you know, they probably tell you the same thing just in terms of making the product as good as it can be. Um, you know, we've, we've, we in Chicago, I've had one conversation about adding an additional staff or purchasing additional equipment in order to accommodate these balls. So that's, that's good. Um, and you know, that's a really solid response there because that's what fans want to be able to know. And that's how you see it being measured in the organizations and the teams. The structure hasn't changed. The burden, the resources haven't been stretched any farther than what you had before. So really, from your point of view, and I know this is one piece of the puzzle, you're not seeing additional burdens being laid on top of an organization like the Hounds. And likewise, we can assume for the others, but this is being driven by the MLR. And then you have to assume that the partnerships are favorable for both. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. So everybody's got something in the game to make it successful. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I'm, I'm sure all the fans uh, of the league are, are happy that, you know, we're we're taking a step forward in terms of a higher quality match ball and training ball. Um, and I, I think, you know, for me, it kind of it kind of starts and stops there. So in, unless mm-hmm. unless we have problems that are uncovered with it, you know, let's let's rock and roll. Let's sling sling the Gilbert ball around. And, you know, so far, everybody's been happy with it. So. Excellent. I love it. Let's get the ball out there in the hands of the players and let's get back to action as the season is just around the corner. Scott, I know you wanted to jump in there, so I'm going to hand it back to you. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, you were talking about people talking about the cost of it online. It's a weird thing because even if, let's say you wanted to add somebody um, to your to your staff to do this, you know how many people are on professional team staff that do the statisticians? I mean, we're talking... I mean, you go down to single A hockey. We have the Danbury uh, hat tricks uh, right close to me where I'm a season ticket holder, and they have a friggin' stat guy that does all the stats for their season, you know, on their roster. And that's not to say the Hounds mm-hmm. are doing it wrong or anything like that. But my point to fans is, this is the age ring in analytics where you, right. if when you get to that point, 
and you need to expand your team, you're going to get somebody who does it, right? Um, so the cost portion, a little weird that they're asking. The, what I would ask WAGS, and I don't, I don't know, and maybe you do have this insight, maybe you don't yet, um, you know, have they weather tested the ball in severe weather? Because as we know, things like mm-hmm. when got in Houston, right? If they start a game in Houston at 3 and it's burning hot, and that halftime goes into, you know, 6, 7 o'clock when that sun comes down, we've noticed – those that first that first quarter, the second half, that ball is slippery as hell. It's a lot of precipitation on that ball. It kind of changes the way you handle the ball. You know, how does the the technology handle the weather? And I kind of maybe just answered my own question because if the analytics aren't working, who really cares as long as the ball being thrown breaking? Yeah. So if the <laughs> analytics aren't working, who really cares? I guess. But my point is, I wonder if they they gave you any specific instruction about you know whether. Uh, no, I mean, for all intents and purposes, these are, these are all weather balls. The surface of the ball is 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 no different than any other high standard Gilbert match or training ball. The pattern's no different. The only thing that's different is the small plug that I showed earlier that they've incorporated. Um, so, you know, if if you have to adjust to a to a sweaty ball on a on a on a hot day in Houston or a cold rock hard ball in a March game in Boston. Um, that's just a game adjustment that, you know, I think you're going to need to make. We, uh, we, we did get some balmy, uh, low forties weather in Chicago today. So we were outside <laughs> for the first time, um, on a little bit of a, of a damp track, but it was a, it was a normal. You know, Scott, I just had a funny thought. Uh, this would have been a perfect episode if we were still, uh, sponsored by Manscaped. I had yeah. puns and puns and puns. You would have had a field day with it. I, I, you probably didn't see those episodes, Wag, but like Scott was a poet the way he put these things yeah. together. Oh man, uh, it was it was genius level of how, how many puns you could throw in. You know the brand Manscaped, and this, by the way, is not a paid advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they, they're all kind of you know tongue in cheek humor about it, and this whole episode, you know. Um, anticipating sweat and, and balmy balls. Well, maybe we can work on getting oddballs to sponsor our show. I'm not sure right. that might bring the fun back, but I want to give three hot takes as we exit. Number one, the MLR has committed to making sure that this technology is working. And I'm pretty sure if that requires an additional person at each of those 25 nationally televised games on Fox sports, that, that it's going to happen. So that's number mm-hmm. one. Number two, I can, I can speak specifically as can Wags. The Hounds have a data analyst guy. I mean, DJ Williams um, is one of the best. The guy like, he, he's like a mad scientist. I mean, he's the one that took and pulled apart the defense matrix. And I won't give away trade secrets uh, or, or, or anything like that. But um, he's the one that talked about in the pre-final that the New England blew all the all the metrics away, um, you know, with his defensive uh, metrics like uh, um, matrices that he had working, whatever, whatever he had, the, the, the witch doctor had cooking up. Um, so he's a guy that the hounds have on staff that would already do that. Um, and then, you know, finally, I'd just like to uh, address the fact that if there was one piece, I think that this technology, I wish they would add that would be easy and would have, I think would at least keep, create some consistency in gameplay that players would would appreciate, uh, like measure PSI of the ball. 
how great would it be to be able to just hold a cell phone up to that ball as it goes in touch and you're flipping another ball, you can measure the PSI and go, is this the PSI that the league is looking for in terms of consistency during gameplay? Yeah. Right. And then it'd be easy to do as well. Right. Oh, and yeah. Rob, I just want to uh, interject, you know, uh, DJ was great for us last year. He's, he's moved on to some new opportunities. Oh, did he? Got, I didn't realize that. Yeah, we've got a we've got a great performance analyst in Andrew Jones who joins us from Poe in the French Top 14, um, and we also have a, a data scientist on staff um, named Jake Rafferty who works with uh, Jamie Beamish and Luke Lewis in the performance department. So that's the those are the guys who would really be sinking their teeth into this kind of data. And and don't forget Newman. Can't forget Newman. Can't never forget Newman. Shout out to Newman. Newman. Cool. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, here we are coming up to the final moments of this episode, episode 161, as a reminder for our rugby fans. And a bit of a tradition here on the show is to be able to give the mic back to our guest, to be able to send a shout out to anybody you think deserves it. So as we said before, Wags, here is your moment. Thank you, Ty. Um, so, you know, in addition to this uh, this role we've been talking about largely with the Hounds, I am um, fortunate enough to be director of rugby and the men's sevens coach at the Chicago Lions. And Chicago Lions have a great partnership with a school called Chicago Hope Academy. Um, I think we're going on, got to be getting close to, to 15, maybe 20 years with them. Um, so Chicago Hope Academy is in the, the same neighborhood just down the street from where the Lions are, um, North Lawndale. Um, a challenging neighborhood at times. It's got a, it's got a ton of kids, many of whom are from difficult backgrounds and um, just the work that they do in the community, the work that they've done as a school um, is pretty remarkable. They're excellent partners for us. They, they, they lend themselves to so many opportunities for us to get engaged with rugby players and with families and, and our, and our neighbors in the community that we wouldn't otherwise have had. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to Chicago Hope Academy. They've also got a fantastic football team, fantastic rugby program. Um, if anybody wants to learn more, find out how they can get involved, please look them up at chicagohopeacademy.org and go Eagles. Excellent. Thank you very much. And we'll go ahead and pop that link into our bio as well for this episode. So don't forget to be able to click it and learn more about another great organization doing wonderful things to help spread the game. We all enjoy so much because that is a noble mission, right? And especially if you happen to be able to do it for those who definitely need it, uh, need something important to be able to latch on to, thinking uh, of hope as using the pun. So, gentlemen, here we are at the final moments. As per usual, it has been a blast here on episode 161. You as a fan can continue to tell us what you think about this topic uh, or maybe something that we might have missed, maybe something you disagree with, maybe something you agree with, whatever it may be. You can tell us what it might be under the handle at RugbyRagPod on all of our social media platforms. We encourage it. And, of course, if you feel so brave enough to challenge one of these guys here on screen in a debate of your own, reach out to us. We're happy to be able to introduce new faces anytime possible in one of our upcoming episodes. And you can continue to catch us all on all the podcast providers that you may choose to be able to do so under the handle at Rugby Red Pod, in addition to our social media and anywhere else we might be. So for this episode, it's been a blast. It's been a great time. A special thanks to Wags. And of course, thank you to Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, Scott the Big Guy Ferrara and on behalf of myself and the team my name is Ty the Sapper Braga we will see you at the next 